All right, 18 days to go. Thank you, Scott Shannon. You will be the ultimate jury. Will you do your part? We'll end up with the government we deserve. Uh, A lot of news we're getting to today. Uh, We have an explosive and brand new, uh, we'll break it here first, report. Now, this is separate and apart from the entire New York Post story about zero experience hunter and and access and joe biden's knowledge and and being caught in a lie and emails about uh hunter biden and and his business dealings which we learned from the johnson and grassley report that run into chinese nationals russian nationals kazakhstan nationals ukrainian nationals russian oligarchs ukrainian oligarchs kazakh oligarchs uh, and shopping sprees, three and a half millions, First Lady of Moscow. That was all in the Grassley-Johnson uh, report. Then we have quid pro quo Joe, zero experience hunter. It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, this new report that Peter Schweitzer will explain later in the program today in our news roundup and information overload hour is they are about to break a story. I'll give you a quick summary and it was it was Peter Schweitzer's books, uh, Secret Empires. We did the first interview with him back in 2018 when we first heard about Parisma uh, Holdings and Zero Experience Hunter. And when we first heard about the one uh, billion dollar deal, later one point five billion dollar deal with the Bank of China after Hunter flew with his father on Air Force Two. Uh, now, apparently, uh, I had not known this part of it. Uh, Peter Schweitzer has been given exclusive access to the private emails of Hunter Biden and Devin Archer's business associate, a guy by the name of Bevan Cooney is his name. Now, he's currently in prison. Devin Archer, Hunter's other business partner, partner, he's awaiting sentencing to go to prison. How Hunter escaped that, we'll ask Peter Schweitzer about it later in the program today. Uh, but what these, what this, what, what has happened is this guy that is in jail read Peter's book in 2018, says, I've got all the evidence that Hunter Biden was as guilty as I am. Here's access to 26,000 emails that prove my point. And that those are all separate and apart from anything that the New York Post is reporting. Now, I am told I've been briefed on a lot of what is uh, in this hard drive, uh, Rudy Giuliani was on Fox and Friends this morning, actually said that Hunter Biden's lawyer, when when he found out that the New York Post was working on the laptop store, he called the laptop store in the computer store, demanded that they return the client's laptop. But the time had already passed to retrieve it and it had already been handed over to the FBI and Rudy Giuliani's attorney, according to these reports, and Rudy also saying that only 5% of what's in there has, has, has even made it out into the public, the briefing that I got. Now, the reason I'm not going to go into the details of it is because I've not been able to independently corroborate it. In the case of Peter Schweitzer and his partner, Seamus Bruner, uh, both, by the way, work with the Government Accountability Institute and Peter writing the best-selling book, Secret Empires, that really blew this all open in 2018. It's only now that, of course, people are catching up to it. Um, It goes even deeper than anything we ever imagined with actual uh, Chinese nationals meeting with Joe Biden inside of the Obama White House. 
that had never been previously disclosed and contradicting what Joe Biden has said, that he knew nothing about his son's business dealings. Just like the email in the New York Post story would uh, would confirm that Joe Biden, in fact, was acutely aware of of what was going on. So we'll, we'll get into that later in the show today and blow it wide open. Uh, big controversy emerging in the Senate race. Well, first, the Senate race in North Carolina, where Cal Cunningham apparently now having three affairs that have been exposed in just the last week and a half or two weeks. And now out in Arizona, the chief spokesperson for Mark Kelly He's a pretty radical left Democrat running against Martha McSally, you know, his chief spokesperson now, you know, referring to police as worthless effing pigs. And he's still working for Mark Kelly on top of his own controversy with China. I mean, you can't make any of this stuff up. Uh, you know, first, we got to start with the ABC town hall, the, the puffy town hall, the fluffball town hall of Georgie Stephanopoulos. And, you know, some of the questioners included uh, Obama's former speech writer and the wife of a former Pennsylvania Democratic candidate for crying out loud. You can't make this up. Um, You know, I'll get to Savannah Guthrie in a second. But a second aspect of this is I want to remind everybody, I wish I could give you the answer. I can't, but at least I'm being honest about it. Because everybody that's telling you that they know what the outcome is going to be in this election, they're guessing. Donald Trump does not poll, and we'll have our pollsters today, like traditional political candidates. He just he's, he's not your average political candidate. We've been able to bear that out in a series of studies and polls uh, that show that there are many people that support Donald Trump. There's a hidden Trump voter out there that we cannot calculate or factor into any poll. But I can tell you that you've got to assume that all of these important swing states are very, very tight. There's a poll out today that has Trump up by one in Michigan. Uh, John James is doing particularly well in that Senate race there. Uh, We had Matt Towery's poll that had the president up by three in Florida, down by three in Pennsylvania. But if you're in Florida... North Carolina, Georgia, Ohio, if you're in Iowa, if you're in Arizona, Nevada, if you're in Pennsylvania, where they where Joe and Kamala have repeatedly said they would eliminate fracking. uh, If you're in Michigan, if you're in Wisconsin, if you're in Minnesota, if you're in the second congressional district of Maine, if you're in New Hampshire, I'm just telling you, assume that your vote could tip the balance of the entire election because it probably can uh, that's that's all I can tell you and that I don't trust these polls and I have good reason not to remember 2004 exit polling showed John Kerry was going to be the next president 2016 exit polling showed that Donald Trump got wiped out by Hillary Clinton and Hillary was going to be the next president the same exact polls that we saw in 2016 exist today with the one exception that Donald Trump is trending about a point better than Hillary Clinton trended in the swing or important swing states that matter uh, than he did four years ago. So I just I, I just don't trust the polling here. And and I don't think you should either. Don't let it encourage you or deflate you in any way. And if if the future of the country matters to you, and I know it does, then you've got to get involved and it's all hands on deck. And it's a tipping point election, and it's everything that I told you uh, that's on the line here. 
Uh, one bit of anecdotal information, if you're interested in some polling information, uh, Washington Examiner did a study and they pointed out that data out of Miss, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan and Ohio indicates that registered Republicans are now returning ballots at about the same rate as registered Democrats in battleground states, which contradicts national polls that showing Biden supporters overwhelmingly plan to vote by mail or early in person. Now, that's a very different story in the state of North Carolina, where Democrats and, and the belief is they're cannibalizing their day of Election Day voting uh, by by early voting. But I'm, I wouldn't count on that either. And the same in Florida, but but something to pay attention to. But the data does contradict national polls showing that that would happen to Biden supporters. A Pew Research poll released Friday, 55 percent of voters who plan to cast their ballot in person before Election Day support Biden compared to 40 percent who support Trump. But as of Wednesday of this week in Michigan, just over a million ballots have been returned. Forty percent registered Democrats, the same from registered Republicans. And Wisconsin, 40 percent of the ballots returned from Democrats, 38 percent Republicans. In Ohio, Republicans actually have a lead there with 45 percent of early ballot returns compared to 43 percent for registered Democrats. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. But, you know, all of it does not does not mitigate your need to participate, in my view. Um, If we're going to start out with anything before we get to the outright If you never believe me when I said the media is corrupt, they're agenda driven, they are a mob. Look at these competing town halls. How did how did George Stephanopoulos not ask a single question about all of the news of zero experience Hunter Biden? How could he ignore the New York Post story? How could he ignore Joe on tape? You're not getting a billion unless you fire the prosecutor. that is paying my zero experience son that said it on little Georgie's network. No experience, oil, gas, energy, or Ukraine, but why are you getting paid millions? I don't know. Is it because you're your father? Is the vice president? Probably. Probably, sure. Well, that doesn't happen to the rest of us, does it? Um, so didn't ask about that. Didn't ask about Ron Johnson's report about Russian oligarchs and Kazakh oligarchs and Ukrainian oligarchs and Chinese nationals and Russian nationals, Ukrainian nationals, Kazakhstan nationals and everything in between. And all of these wire transfers that took place, which run deep and long, didn't ask about the Bank of China, the one billion dollar deal there that became a one point five billion dollar deal with zero experience. Didn't ask about his son's business partners going to prison. Didn't ask about these new emails that show that. Joe Biden lied when he said that he knew nothing about his son's business dealings, which is just one of many lies. Factcheck.org documented at least eight major lies that Biden told last night. Biden falsely claiming members of the CDC and and prevention team in China came home before the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, The staff was cut, but not eliminated. That's not true. Claim the Trump administration stopped providing masks for school. Uh, For schools, one agency did stop, but everybody else distributed 125 million masks for schools. Biden claiming he opposed giving states more money for prison systems in 94, but he actually did support six billion in funding, not just the 10 billion that was in the final crime bill. 
Former vice president cited an estimate 10 million would lose employer sponsored insurance during the pandemic. Didn't mention most would regain other coverage. Biden gave the false impression that 100 million people with pre-existing conditions could lose insurance if the ACA was repealed. Donald Trump has said a million times that pre-existing conditions will be protected under his health care plan. And he's not taking away Social Security and he's not taking away Medicare. And they've been scaring the hell out of seniors all around the country like they do every two and every four years. And the lies go on from there. But I can't believe that the town, one of the questioners in, on the ABC town hall was Obama's former speechwriter. You can't get any more corrupt than that. And you think that Savannah Guthrie is just a little bit biased? A little bit thinking she, what, is like Joe Biden's biggest, biggest surrogate. Let me ask you about QAnon. Now, people have written that I know about QAnon. I don't have a clue about Linda. How many times have I asked you to explain? What is this thing? I still don't get it. To this it day, really... I've had people try to explain it to me, and I still don't get it. At right, 18 days, and you are the ultimate jury. 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. So it became with Savannah Guthrie. I mean, it is so obnoxious. It is so interruptive. It is so obscenely, abusively, corruptly biased. She is like the special pleader for all things Joe Biden. The one thing, that, and, and I cannot stress this enough, is that the biggest campaign donations are coming from the mob and the media and these big social media giants. They, they, are, they are contributing. It is incalculable how much that they are contributing to Joe Biden, all things radical democratic socialist. I'm not kidding when I say that this president is up against every major institutional corrupt force in this country, starting with all things democratic radical socialist. He is dealing with a media mob that is 99%. It has been nothing but nonstop rage, psychotic hatred for all things Donald Trump now from the minute he came down the escalator. It has been, they've been willing to lie, spread smears and conspiracy theories and a hoax and drag the country through hell. You add to that the social media giants with all the power and influence and reach that they have. You add to that these these rhino Republicans that say they're Republican. They're not Republican. They're not Republican. They're not conservative. They're just a bunch of bitter, frankly, losers that have been pushing and ramming these these moderate Republican rhino loser candidates down our throat for decades. And they're just angry that that Donald Trump is a real conservative. They're just they're willing to vote for a guy that is weak and frail, a socialist and cognitively struggling, which will throw this country, by the way, into a massive crisis almost immediately, which I guarantee if they ever, God forbid, want. And we're glad you're with us. 18 days. You are the ultimate jury. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, Linda, did you notice that? Well, first, the 10 minutes on the mask. Then we go into here. The president even said, you always do this. You've done this to me. Everybody does this to me. Will you condemn white supremacy? We'll get to that in a second. Did you notice during the debate that 
over the left shoulder of the president in the shot was an African-American woman that you could, and she, it just kept shaking her head like, I agree with that. I agree with what the president's saying. I agree with good answer. Good answer. Did you, did you, hey, Cause it went viral on social media. Did you know, happen to notice it? I did. I, I actually felt very bad for her. I thought, God, I hope no one she knows is watching because this media Why? is going to destroy her. When you agree with the president and you're supposed to be on NBC side and you're supposed to sit there and be quiet and just act like you agree with everything that, you know, rabid Savannah is saying. I mean, I just feel so bad for her. Today. Well, I, the, here's the good news. My, my, uh, I asked my TV staff, is there any chance you can find out who the woman is? I'd like to get her opinion on what, she, you know, because she was nodding her head seemingly in agreement. I can't say for sure, but it looked like it. Sure. And it was kind of trending on, I don't know if it was trending, but it was, it was discussed a lot on social media because all of my mm-hmm. friends kept sending me stuff about it. Um, and anyway, she's going to be on TV tonight. And I'm, I'm actually dying to know, you know, if she was in agreement or not, because oh, I, I don't it. know the answer to it. Um, but I just, I found it very, very interesting because, you know, you, you, you're sitting there and, and you got Savannah Guthrie as part of this mob in the media. And this is why I call them a mob that you got these elitists that live in New York and D.C. and L.A. and San Francisco. And it is it, it's like if, and you notice it on when I used to do social media until you you put me in timeout years ago and took away all my accounts and all my passwords and I have no access to anything. And I only have I don't even have a computer anymore. I don't have any email anymore. I have nothing. You've stolen everything from me. Um <laughs> God, well, it's all true. Intense. I mean, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a 58 year old man that that's in timeout in, in, in perpetuity. Listen, listen. first yeah, of listen, all, you listen. should be thanking You're going to make me. an excuse for keeping me in a in in a corner with my little. Oh no, I put you right where you belong, and trust right me, you should belong. be grateful. You should be <laughs> grateful right. that you're not dealing with this. Madness. I will tell you, it is freeing. It, it is. is free. It, it's it awful. gets addicting. You know, I'm, I'm, I, find, I find myself in a in a Twitter fight with Alec Baldwin or 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 what's that idiot? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And I'm like, what am I wasting my time for? Um, and, but once I get involved, I don't even realize, I, you know, two hours flies by and you're in the middle of this huge Twitter fight. And it's uh, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't enjoy it at the time. I did. But I'm actually happier that I'm free from all of that crap. And um, but I but I, I I'm able to monitor enough of it to know. Uh, anyway, eight hundred nine four one. Sean is uh, our toll free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program? Uh, oh, by the so you found this story by the way. Um, the Miami Herald apparently uh, was able to identify the woman that we're going to have on TV tonight. An immigration attorney. Five-time beauty queen, Trump supporter, apparently ran as an independent for Congress in Miami in 2018. And during that campaign, she dubbed herself Miami's master of selfies, according to the Miami Herald. That's pretty interesting. After the forum, she did greet the president. We have your back, she said. Where are you from? The president asked. I'm from the Dominican Republic, but I'm American. I'm an American, she responded. And she did not ask a question during the event. You know, I mean, th- this is what it went. It went from 10 minutes on masks, 10 long minutes on masks. Now, no mention that Kamala Harris now has staff members. They're all wearing masks that apparently contracted COVID. 
No mention that Joe Biden's pilot of his chartered jet for his campaign apparently came down and contracted COVID. Everybody around all of, you know, the, the one thing that the president's saying, I can't hide in the basement. Now, they've done the rapid testing. You know who wore the mask in the White House more than any one person was Hope Hicks. She wore a mask everywhere. And, you know, it's it just was unbelievable. Then we get to the white supremacy crap. And I'm going to tell you something. This is where I, I nearly I wanted to take something and throw it at my television set, which is very expensive. It's 85 inches. It costs a lot of money. But I wanted to break it. You're laughing. Um, but it's so frustrating. And the reality is now. There's no way that Savannah Guthrie, whose whose husband used to work with Al Gore, uh, that she didn't know that the president had repeatedly condemned white nationalism, white supremacy, David Duke, even the Charlottesville speech that so inspired quid pro quo Joe to get into the campaign or so he says the president condemned him in that very speech where there were some very fine people, not the white nationalists, not the extremists that should be condemned. She had to know that the president has done this 20 plus times. Listen. Have you ever heard this president say one negative thing about white supremacists? Have you ever heard it? I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. I got back in this race because of what happened in Charlottesville. People coming out of the woods carrying torches, their veins bulging. Close your eyes and remember what you saw. And a young woman gets killed resisting the hate and violence. And the president gets asked to come in. And what's he say? He says they're very fine people on both sides. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. You wouldn't even condemn David Duke, for God's sake. I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. From the time I'm five years old, I rejected them. It is, it is so corrupt. Now, either Savannah Guthrie didn't know, which would make her totally uh, disqualified for her position or she just did Joe Biden's bidding. And I was assume it's the latter because that's where the media mob is. And then, of course, high praise from the media mob uh, thinking, I guess, that she is the great debate. Then we go on to QAnon. Now, it's weird because I don't monitor all these attacks against me, but sweet baby James does. Linda occasionally does. People on TV. Easily. Yeah, you guys are obsessed with, you know, <laughs> you know, reading bad crap about me. Like, just just so you know, they're just writing more bad things. about. I'm like, OK, that's like an average hour of my life at this point. I, I'm just I, I can't I wouldn't be able to function if I read all this crap. I just, whatever switch I'm supposed to have that gives a living, flying, you know what, I don't have it. I don't really care if people don't like me. I don't. I have too many good people in my life that I care about and too many good people that I work with. And uh, um, I'm, I'm not uh, on my deathbed, you know, with my life about to be over, I don't think. 
So, you know, I mean, you got to put these things in perspective. And they keep writing. You keep telling me. I'm like, I still don't know what it is. And so I've asked people, you know, well, explain it to me. And people have tried to explain it to me. I'm like, what? I still don't get it. And then she asked about QAnon. Of course you know about QAnon. He goes, well, I heard they're like anti-pedophilia. So, uh, yeah, I would agree with that part. But I don't know anything about them. Oh, presidents wouldn't condemn QAnon. Because he said he doesn't know what it is. And I say repeatedly, I have no earthly clue what it is. Now, maybe either somebody on my staff or me or somebody years ago retweeted something. And I guess they had a hashtag QAnon. So Hannity's a part of QAnon. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, this is how insane it's getting. Uh, but anyway, I thought that all of this, look, this is what we've got. You got a t- tale of, of an abusively corrupt and biased media. You got Joe Biden not asked a single question, question about Hunter, not one. Then you've got never ending interruptions of Savannah Guthrie, abusively, corruptly biased questions, 20 minutes to get to the first question from the audience. Um, then you got Joe Biden. Okay. So he finally says, yeah, I'm against the concept of uh, packing the Supreme Courts, but maybe it depends. I might pack the Supreme Court. Gives a non-answer. I'll decide after Amy Coney Barrett gets put on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, he says that he's that we should be thinking about making a covid vaccine mandatory. Mandatory. Uh, I don't think you make anything like that mandatory. It depends on the state of the nature of the vaccine when it comes out and how it's being distributed. That would depend on, but I would think that we should be talking about, depending on the continuation of the spread of the virus, we should be thinking about making it mandatory. How could you enforce that? Well, you couldn't. That's the problem. Just like you can't afford, you can't okay, enforce so What's the you point can't. of talking about it if you can't? But the, what are they going to do? Well, I'm going to have people pinning me down at my house? No, I'm not getting your stupid vaccine. I don't want it. I happen to get the flu shot every year. I'd say half my friends think I'm nuts for getting the flu shot every year. Linda thinks I'm nuts for getting the flu shot every year. Um, I just don't think it makes sense to get something when you have no idea what you're fighting. I got it. Okay. If the vaccine was approved by our medical researcher scientists, I'd probably get it. I just, you know, I'm, but I totally respect people that wouldn't, you know, you can't have a government mandating this. Now, I'm not I, even these mask mandates. Now, if you want to go to your local grocery store and they have a mandate for masks, I wear it every time. It doesn't bother me wearing a mask. I've said this many times. I know it's temporary. We're almost at the other end of this thing. Thank God. I'm not a fan of court packing, but it depends. What kind of answer is that? You know, that he would pack the court. We'll let you know after the Amy Coney Barrett vote. I'll reveal my position then. You know, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Now they want the president to weigh in on Roe v. Wade 18 days before the election. Uh, the president says, yeah, I'll accept the peaceful transfer of power, but I want an honest election. We have all these states trying to change election laws with less than 100 days to the election. Unbelievable. You know, it's Joe Biden did get a question about you ain't black. Why doesn't anyone ever ask him a question? Why did you praise the former Klansman? When is he going to get asked that question? Why did you praise the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act was against the Voting Rights Act? And why did you partner, partner with the former Klansman to oppose 
integration of schools because you didn't want your kids, you said at the time, going to schools that are racial jungles. When are they going to ask that question once of Joe Biden? I mean, he gets every single solitary time he gets a pass. This is the biggest campaign contribution. The mob, the media, social media giants. I mean, this is a big deal. Now, the president is now eyeing executive action against Facebook and Twitter. You know, I, by the way, how did Putin get his hands on apparently all of these? If we're going to believe that the New York Post story and it's Russian disinformation, the only Russian disinformation came from Hillary Clinton, her bought and paid for Russian disinformation dossier that our own FBI knew came from Christopher Steele, who had an anti-Trump bias, who literally used a known Russian uh, asset uh, that the FBI knew about for 10 years. It's unbelievable. Now, we have a big exclusive Peter Schweitzer separate and apart from that story. Uh, one of uh, Hunter Biden's business partners, one is in jail. The other is waiting to get sentenced to go to jail. Uh, the one that is in jail handed over to Peter Schweitzer, 26,000 emails. We're going to learn uh, in our final hour today what's in it. It's going to break exclusively on this program. We'll also have it on Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel. You know, Joe Biden advocates raising corporate taxes. You know what that means? Corporations don't pay taxes. What do you mean, Hannity? They pay. They have to pay taxes. Yeah, okay, they pay taxes, but guess what? They raise the cost of what goods and services they have, and they pass the cost on to you, the consumer. Ah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And when he repeals the Trump tax cuts, all of those... Americans that make way less than $400,000 a year, your taxes are going to go up. And then he flipped and flopped and flailed on fracking and taxes. And, you know, it's unbelievable. I don't know. I, I, I really worry about the future of this country for our kids and grandkids. I really do. You know, okay, the media mob, that, that institution, social media giants institutions, the Democratic Socialist Party institutions, the threat of the biggest power grab, court packing, D.C. and other statehood, amnesty for 15 million people, something of value if you promise to vote for us every election. Sure, why not? All right, glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, let's go back to last night's dueling town halls. And the abusively biased NBC questioning of President Trump versus the softball questions thrown at the ever weak, frail and cognitively struggling Joe Biden. And then we'll get our pollsters reaction to the state of the race with just 18 days to go until you are the ultimate jury. Uh, but here's from last night. We know that your administration would follow the science. What would your administration do in terms of following the science with real concrete policies that haven't been done by the current administration? As the president, I have to be out there. I also know well, there's no one that says you can't be out there, but it's just about wearing masks and having, for example, your rallies. I know there's tremendous spikes. But our death rate is worse than, well, not Spain. Merrick Garland didn't get a hearing for all of 2016, and Amy Coney Barrett's being pushed through at the last minute, even though millions have already voted. So what do you think about ideas from um, people like Pete Buttigieg and others to put in place safeguards that will help ensure more long-term balance and stability? And the word, well, the word is, is false. and you know what, they're dumped in a garbage can, and they happen to have my name on it. I'm not happy okay, about that. Okay, but just, those are case, 
there is no there is in fact no evidence of widespread fraud the trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people how will you as president reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda I want the money go to directly Are to senate the republicans people? with you they're going to go big they'll for go. big yeah, old number they'll go. they're going to be okay, very happy. so far they have not I said. got rid of the individual mandate but that went the through the legislature we will always protect people with pre-existing conditions How about that question of expanding the court? Here's what you said exactly one year ago tonight at a Democratic debate. You said, I would not get into court packing. I would not pack the court. That's not what you're saying now. Is the nomination of Judge Barrett reason enough to rethink your position? The IRS says that doesn't stop but you from releasing. You saw what they did with the religious But to be group. clear, there is no law or rule that, that prohibits you from releasing your tax no, returns. I know she's going to make a great decision for our country. The along running with the running as a pro-life Republican. Could it get any more hostile? Anyway, with 18 days to go, our pollsters, uh, John McLaughlin, uh, Matt Towery, and Scott Rasmussen, thank you all for being with us. We did have two polls out today. One actually had Trump up by one in Michigan, tied in North Carolina. No, Matt Towery, you did two two polls. One had the president up by three in Florida. One had him down by three in Pennsylvania. Let's start with you. Where where are we at at the state of this campaign and this race with only 18 days to go? Well, can I start by saying that listening to that audio, it sounded like he was debating Joy Behar. Oh, <laughs> what geez. a disaster. It was, <laughs> so, I mean, right. it was so embarrassing. I mean, honestly, and yeah. so, it's just so well, obviously corrupt. Well, I had someone who's undecided in Ohio text me last night, said, after hearing Savannah Guthrie, I'm voting for Trump. And they were very impressed. So anyway, that's anecdotal. Let's talk about polls. Yes, uh, we have the president up in Florida. I think we're the only poll that had him up in Florida. Although it's moving in his direction there. North Carolina moving towards being tied. Um, Pennsylvania is tightening as well. Let me make a note here. This is this is the weekend that we're seeing a real turnaround in this race. The real clear politics battleground average this time last time with Hillary Clinton, Trump was doing nine point nine percent, almost a point worse than he's doing now against Biden. If you look on real clear politics, the battlegrounds are all tightening. And I'm seeing more and more polls that indicate that the president is turning this thing around. The momentum is moving his way. It's not just in one area. It's in a lot of areas. Now, Trafalgar, of course, has him up in Michigan as well. I'm not sure he's up in Michigan yet, but he's certainly moving in the right direction there as as well. I think the momentum is going to Donald Trump right now. Your take, uh, Scott Rasmussen. Well, you know, my last poll uh, just about a week ago in Florida showed the president down by two points, but with a strong Republican turnout, uh, he would come up on top by a point. And I think I would say with Matt, you know, these races are very tight. It's very difficult to project turnout. We've never done it before in a pandemic. Matt and I were very young in the 1918 pandemic. But um, (laughs) at this point... Yeah. Very young. Yeah, I hadn't started my polling career back then. But, uh, you know, what we're seeing <laughs> is a situation where we're trying to understand how many of these voters who say they're going to vote by mail for Joe Biden are actually going to get to the post office. We're wondering how many of these people who say uh, they will actually get out and vote will do so. We're going to be looking for real numbers. I think the caution that I would have, the concern that I would have from the president's perspective uh, is that Florida and North Carolina are tight, and they are absolutely must-win states. 
I also think that uh, I'd agree with Matt in terms of the trend. It is tightening a bit. It is moving a little bit in the president's direction. And I would say it has a little bit of the feel that we saw four years ago after the Access Hollywood tapes. You know, support for the president fell a little bit after those tapes came out, but support for Hillary Clinton didn't go up. We saw the same thing after the first debate and after uh, uh, the president tested positive for COVID. His numbers went down a little bit, but Joe Biden's didn't go up, and now the president's numbers are coming back. Ultimately, you know, we may be talking about people who right now tell us they're thinking of voting for Joe Jorgensen or, you know, some other candidate who just really aren't sure what they're going to do. Your take, John McLaughlin. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, the one thing that, that, I mean, Matt and Scott definitely have the trends where they're going, and, and for me it seems like, you know, having worked in the t- Trump campaign in 2016 and now, it's deja vu all over again. Because if you go to the Real Clear Politics website, four years ago, even on Election Day, they had 171 toss-up state electoral votes. And they had uh, Hillary Clinton at 203. Now they have Biden only at 216 electoral votes and 197 toss-up electoral state votes. So... The, the media polls are a leg. Plus, they're going to have a hard time. They, they, and they're doubling down on the same methodologies as they did four years ago, uh, where the media polls are skewing their bias. I mean, NBC has us down 11 in their national poll. They had us down 11 at the same time four years ago. So they're biasing the polls in the same way, same methodology. Are you saying, are you saying they haven't made any adjustments from 2016 at all? Not that I've seen. Well, they do poll more Democrats and less Republicans. But uh, so that 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 uh, I think it's all part of the plot because they know our votes coming late. They know there's a lot of early vote right now. They know our votes coming late. It's going to be in person on election day because they're not likely to trust the, the mail in votes because of the amount of fraud that's going on. So if they can discourage Republicans and Trump voters that your guy can't win, maybe they won't turn out on election day. And I, so I don't think this is an accident. I think this is a strategy and it reflects their bias in the media. And they tried it four years ago. And we were able to win by 78,000 votes out of 139 million. Now you're going to have a bigger turnout where if it's close, you know, they think they can steal the election ahead of time. That, that's a little chilling scenario for everybody. You know, Matt, w- one thing that does concern me is, and I guess it was the same in 2016, that there always is this worry or concern that if, ah, uh, down 15, why, why bother voting? And people get deflated and they start checking out, which I, I am advising everybody, just assume that your vote's going to make the difference in your state. But then I have the other concern that Scott mentioned, which is, okay, if, if North Carolina is that tight, Georgia you know, according to some polls, is very tight. Florida is tight. Um, again, a Republican has to run the table. Arizona, I would add to that list as well. That's concerning to me. Well, I, let, let me speak about those southern states, first of all. I know those southern states about as well as anyone. And I can tell you North Carolina will probably be the tightest of the three. I think Georgia and Florida are both going to go for Trump. I feel pretty good about that, uh, barring some last-minute change that we don't know about. Let me, let me say one thing to your list, um, and this is going off of what John uh, was talking about just a moment ago. A lot of these pollsters have decided, oh, we're gonna, we're, now we're going to wait, which means adjust our polls based on education. Well, I've looked at these polls, a lot of them, and a lot of them do have a cross-tab. In other words, they ask people what sort of education they had. Did they finish high school, a little bit of college, college? Do they have a postgraduate degree? In most of these polls, I'm seeing 
about an eight to 10 point difference between what they're reporting of people who have a college and a, and a postgraduate degree, which tend to go more against Trump versus what the actual numbers are for that state. Now, it's, it, we see a massive difference in support of Trump when you get to people who went to high school, a little bit of college, maybe even if they have a BA. The higher up, the more educated they think they are, they think they are, the more they think they can't vote for Donald Trump. They're off by a substantial amount, and I think that is very telling with these polls. I'm feeling very good about these polls, and I think our listeners need to be encouraged. They need to make sure that they're part of getting out to vote to fulfill those polls. But, but I feel like the methodology is flawed and perhaps even worse than it was in 2016. I mean, that's almost a spectacular fail uh, if they didn't make any adjustments whatsoever. And I guess, But I guess it doesn't matter. You've been, these people have been wrong on everything in almost every election then there's never seemed to be any consequences for it. Now the question is, okay, the closing arguments that the president's going to make, I guess we have a final debate supposedly scheduled for next week, although the debate commission is in such a state of flux and bias. I don't know if it's even worth the president's time to even participate. Uh, Scott Rasmussen. You know, Sean, I think if uh, if they have a debate and if uh, if uh, Joe Biden or Savannah Guthrie bother to show up to debate the president, uh, what the president should really do is try and give Joe Biden as much time to talk as possible. Uh, I would even be encouraging him to say something along the lines of, you know, there's a lot of questions that uh, people have been asking, and Joe, you haven't been answering them. I'll give you some of my time if you'll answer, really answer questions about packing the court or answer questions about your son or any of these other issues that uh, haven't gotten to play the president thinks they have. Because right now, people just haven't seen enough of Joe Biden. And uh, the president in the first debate did not give him enough time to talk, hurt his cause a little bit there. So if there's another debate, that would be my advice. And look, could that change things? Absolutely. We're at a point in the race where the where the turnout, and this is something I think a lot of people on both sides of the aisle, are, nine out of 10 uh, Trump supporters think he is going to win because everybody in their rural counties and in parts of the country that they're in are feeling even more intense in support of the president than they did four years ago. I hear from people every day who say, I know people who didn't vote and they're coming out to vote this year. What they're missing is in the urban areas, the same thing is happening. We're still going to be in a situation in Pennsylvania where people in Philadelphia and the areas immediately surrounding Philadelphia are going to be heavily, heavily for Joe Biden. And the question will be, will are they really for the Joe Biden or are they more anti-Trump? Oh, in fact, clearly it's a vote against Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump has the ability to inspire turnout among Democrats as much as Barack Obama did among Republicans. John, your take. Well, Scott touched on the one thing that that stood out the most glaring part of the town halls last night, both Biden and uh, Trump, neither moderator Stephanopoulos or Savannah Guthrie asked about Hunter Biden with the latest scandals. Because now it's a bombshell where when you have, I mean, none of these polls that we're talking about have this factored in because the media is trying to cover it up. I mean, Hunter Biden is on emails that his his lawyer tried to collect again from uh before the first they were trying to say it was Russian disinformation, whatever. but it, it, that hard drive that this guy has, that Hunter Biden stiffed, that didn't pay the bill. Yeah, I mean, there, there's emails saying we need to give Pop a cut, and he's talking about money out of Burisma in the Ukraine. Pop is his father. They're talking about money going to the vice, you know, to the vice president, so that he's gotten personally wealthy after 47 years of government on a 
public service well, and Isn't it so reminiscent? And, and apparently Director Ray has had this for a long time and hasn't done anything with it. It's so reminiscent of the, the Anthony Weiner laptop with mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton's emails in it, you know, last time. It's unbelievable, actually. 30 seconds each, predictions. How does this play out, Matt Towery? Well, you know, I call it like it is. There have been times I've said that it didn't look good for Trump. I'm feeling better about it. It is about turnout. Scott's right. John's right. Got to see what happens with this uh, Biden tape as a, or emails as well, the Hunter Biden stuff, if it takes any legs. But I still feel Donald Trump's headed towards victory. Scott. You know, I'm a little bit less optimistic than Matt about the president's chances. Uh, I agree that uh, uh, we'll end up in the president's column, North Carolina and Florida, very close. And uh, I think we're going to have one of two outcomes, and it's going to depend on which way people break at the end. Uh, the the outcome that uh, you would like to hear, the most positive outcome for listeners to this show, would mean the race is very close and that we don't know the winner for two or three weeks because they're going to be doing mail-in counting and challenging every mail-in ballot. Uh, the other alternative is if things break against the president, uh, we'll know that pretty early. John McLaughlin. Well, in the final 18 days, we're about to hear multiple bombshells on the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden scandal that will fire up the Trump voters to turn out. And I think the president will be changing the name of Sleepy Joe at his rallies to Crooked Joe. And uh, it's going to be a shocker because uh, there's there's stuff here that the media, Facebook, Twitter, they're censoring it for a reason. There's a reason why the media won't cover it, because it'll bring Joe Biden down and they will lose the election. All right. Well, I'm in the I can't call it column. I don't know. I wish I did. Thank you both. When we come back, Dr. Josh Umber, the false narrative of Democrats on Republicans' health care plans and an explosive new report from Peter Schweitzer as it relates to Hunter Biden. Straight ahead as we continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. It is 18 days. You are the ultimate jury. Best election coverage available on your radio dial. As you can see in these abusively biased and corrupt town halls that took place, one of, the, one of the things as I look at the cross tabs and, and demographics that is becoming a little bit obvious, even with the polls tightening, even with one poll now showing the president up by three in Florida, down by three in Pennsylvania, up one in Michigan, dead heat, North Carolina. The one thing that does seem to be trending is that the president has lost some support among older Americans. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Democratic playbook is that Donald Trump is going to get rid of your uh, your Obamacare. And if you have a pre-existing condition, you are not going to be protected. And Donald Trump is going to take away your Social Security and he's going to take away your Medicare and you're going to die. And he doesn't care. It's all a lie. It's, you know, the, the typical two year, four year playbook. But it came up again in these town halls last night. And the reality is everyone seems to and it came up in the Amy Coney Barrett hearings. Everyone seems to forget that Obamacare has been an unmitigated failure and disaster. Millions of Americans lost their plans. Millions lost their beloved doctors. The average family not only didn't save, on average, $2,500 per family per year, but they are now paying 200% more on average. And then, of course, there's 40% of the country where there are people that have only one Biden-Obamacare option. That's it. No choice. Now they want to double down on stupid. It's almost like they're acting like this has been the greatest thing since sliced bread. 
Nobody's making the case the other way. We have gone over in great detail and great specificity now for many years on this program what is an alternative. Direct patient care is one of them. Uh, that would be the, the cooperative care option where individuals will get catastrophic plans that are relatively inexpensive. That's the, uh-oh, God forbid you have a bad accident, you have a heart attack, you get cancer. Uh, if any of these things happen, the higher the deductible, the lower the rate that you're going to ultimately get. Many of those plans actually encourage and entitle the recipient to a checkup every year. Then you would have a, a direct private care doctor like the co-op. I've of, often talked with Josh Umber, Dr. Umber of Atlas MD, Wichita, Kansas, 50 bucks per month per adult, 10 bucks per month per child. He negotiates directly with the pharmaceutical companies. You walk out usually with the medicines you need at about a 90, 95% reduction in cost. But you can see unlimited visits, doctor-patient care available 24-7. And to me, it is the most cost-effective option, which the president was trying to explain to the ever-hostile Savannah Guthrie last night on NBC. Um, go back and and remember what the promises are about Obamacare and you get to where you want. Anyway, Dr. Umber has been leading the charge on this issue. He's been able to duplicate his practice to what, almost a thousand offices, I guess, now around the country. Uh, Dr. Umber, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks for having me, Sean. Uh, you're the true innovation whisperer. You saw the value of this model eight years ago, and it's, it's really kind of coming to fruition. How many how many offices have have adopted the model that you designed in Wichita? Well, now we have over 1,200 doctors doing this model, and uh, you know it took Starbucks 16 years to get 17 stores. We just celebrated our 10 years, and uh, now we're opening 20 to 30 new clinics a month or helping independent doctors open their own. This is truly a grassroots movement of patients and physicians trying to do what's right for healthcare. All right. So let's talk about, you know, how do Republicans, it seems like, and there was a point that was made is that, you know, Republicans were never ready with their alternative plan, 65 show votes, as I call them, to uh, repeal and replace Obamacare. But when the moment came and they had a president that would go along with it, it was sort of like, oh, uh, never mind, we didn't really mean it. And yet seven senators, Republican senators that had in 2015 voted for a direct repeal of Obamacare. And then when they had a chance for when it would have meant something in 2017, when Donald Trump was president, they they changed their vote. So they really weren't prepared for an alternative, were they? You know, I don't think the Republican Party was, but uh, thankfully President Trump has focused on direct care several times in the last few years in uh, you know, executive order in 2019 and an, another one recently. So I think now is the time to really push the message. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Vice President Biden asked, what's your plan? And again, yesterday they asked, if you repeal, what you, will you replace with? And I think POTUS is in a perfect position to really lay out some key, transparent, obvious details that your, uh, your Main Street voter can appreciate. Not some pie-in-the-sky, balance-the-budget-in-40-years plan, but a boots-on-the-ground, a direct-care model, where now you have doctors in every state doing this. They're uh, maximizing the value of care while decreasing the cost. Because until you make health care affordable, you can't make health insurance affordable. But now the direct care movement can decrease the cost of medicine by 95%. The direct primary care movement has eliminated the need for co-pays. 
the direct primary care movement has made your routine lab tests a dollar or two a test. So not only could we insure more people, not only could we provide unlimited access through the, the direct care model, but we could do so at a fraction of the cost. Uh, Sean Flynn is a fantastic economist who's written that we could probably decrease 75% of the healthcare spend. But by my back of the envelope math, when employers are spending over $20,000 per employee, uh, employee family for health insurance, if we decrease that just by 50%, we put a trillion dollars back into the pockets of every American household. And not just once, we do that every year. So this really is a multi-pronged approach of a free market-based solution to healthcare. Where the you know, over these eight years, I've tried to hook you up with, with people in Washington with a limited amount of success, to be very frank, but there are people that are advocating for direct patient care. Basically, what we're talking about here is concierge medical care available 24-7 at a reduced rate. So if somebody gets a catastrophic plan, again, God forbid, the heart attack, accident, cancer, okay, that's separate and apart, but how much is that part of the equation versus the $50 a month unlimited care that you get from your primary doctor? Well, what we're seeing is people right now are paying more than their mortgage for their health insurance premiums, and it's crushing the economy, um, especially in, the, in this V-shaped recovery post-COVID. It should cost less than $500 uh, a, a family before. So then that's, by the time you add in the membership of $120 a month, you're looking at being able to put 500 to $800 back into every American pocket every single month. That will create an economic boom that will last a generation. By fixing the, the, the affordability of health care, we fix the health of our economic system as well. And nothing screams you know, Trump-style success like making concierge medicine affordable for all. Uh, you know, Trump care, medicine's a penny a pill. Uh, now we get to this point where we need less government and, and to the concern that this would hurt uh, Medicare or Medicaid. This would actually make that even more successful of a program when you consider um, there was a study that showed with just 30 wholesale medicines from direct primary care, Medicare Part D could save $30 billion. So that's 30% of their Part D budget. This is helping the government find more affordable meds. And so it, it, it leapfrogs the swamp. It leapfrogs this idea of importing medicines or trying to negotiate on a world scale because we don't need to anymore. Doctors and pharmacists can provide medications at a fraction of the cost when you s- streamline this. This is Netflix for healthcare. This is a, a membership which is cheaper than you paid before and you get 10 times the value. Silicon Valley doesn't get out of bed in the morning if you're not a 10x improvement. Elon Musk sent payload to the space station for 95% less than NASA. And that's not to say anything bad about NASA. That's to speak to the power of a market-based solution. So when we apply those common-sense principles to healthcare, now we get healthcare that is faster, easier, better, and at a fraction of the price. I think the reason you have a hard time connecting us to powerful people in the D.C. area is it sounds too good to be true. And I get that. But we're proof that, you know, 10 years strong, 1,000-plus doctors doing this, more every month, you know, millions of patients um, successfully treated. We have a ticker on our website showing that we save almost uh, a mil- we save $16 million in wholesale meds in the last few years, but now it's speeding up to the point that it's almost a million dollars every two months. So imagine if there was 500,000 do- doctors doing this model. Again, it would be an economic boom that would last a generation. And uh, you 
um, John Goodman spoke about the New York Post article from uh, Lowry. Whoever has the best health care plan will probably win this election. Now is the time for Trump to come out with you know, clear, transparent bullet points on this is the plan, this is how Main Street America can get more care, can get their jobs back, can get the same level of great insurance but at a fraction of the price because it's innovation in health care that will make health insurance cheaper. And, and this isn't an idea to do in the future. This isn't, you know, a, a plan of maybe we can get better government later. This is what he could do for people, you know, in, in days, weeks, or months. It's amazing that, you know, the solution's right there in front of us. We've talked about it for so many years. How many patients are, are in your practice? Now, you have partners as well, but how many, how many people in Wichita, Kansas, do you have going to your practice? We have about 3,300 patients for about five doctors, and six to 700 patients is the kind of national average, um, which means that every patient in America could have a concierge doctor. Yeah, I mean, because, well, I think we might have lost you there, but, uh, you know, if most people like me, you don't want to see your doctor more than you have to. I mean, I go in, I get my yearly checkup. If I have to get something else checked out at some point or some time, then I do that as well. All right, as we wrap things up, Dr. Josh Umber with Atlas MD out of Wichita, Kansas, his innovative plan for direct primary care, and that's for basically concierge care, 50 bucks a month. You couple that with a catastrophic plan. Again, that's that's on the other end, which is, okay, high deductible, God forbid, bad accident, cancer, heart attack, something terrible happens, you're covered. Um, and now you're saying that if if Republicans were to embrace this plan, number one, it gets rid of the, the false narrative that Republicans want old people to die. It gets rid of the narrative that Republicans have no plan. It gets rid of the narrative that Republicans won't cover pre-existing conditions. For example, what do you do if somebody does have a pre-existing condition and wants to join your practice? Let's the best part. The direct primary care prices everyone the same regardless of pre-existing conditions. Often it's age-based, but that's just um, to match people where they're at in life. So we're in other talking words, about yeah. Go a ahead. solution that can be applied across the country uh, you know, as, as fast as possible because there is no need for the uh, Republican Congress to uh, enact a new rule. This is a market-based approach that, that's alive and well and thriving, and with just one push from POTUS um, would revolutionize the country. Yeah, pretty amazing. All right, so have you had contact with people in D.C.? Are there some people receptive to all of this? You know, I think they are. It's increasingly evident that they need a, a, a message that is clear and concise, that health care uh, is one of the biggest topics. Uh, this is uh, getting increasingly important as the uh, time frame shrinks. And I think just saying we will do great care later isn't specific enough to be able to say, here are medicines 95% less, here are free procedures, here are pre-existing conditions protected, here are no co-pays, here is insurance premiums 30 to 60% cheaper right away. And then that message is what can get to yeah. the Main Street. Um, the meds, the Alzheimer meds, even cancer medicines, the things that people need for dollars a month, not everything, but a lot of things, enough to really revolutionize the system. 
um, that you know that nothing screams drum care again like concierge medicine made affordable to the masses. Yeah, it's true, right? All right, yeah. Doctor Josh Humber, always great to have you. Thank you, sir. Atlas MD, Wichita, Kansas. If you needed a doctor, that would be my doctor. Peter Schweitzer, remember he broke down this whole Hunter Biden corrupt international enterprise. Has new details and a breaking news report about zero experience Hunter and quid pro quo Joe. We'll get to that. We'll get to your calls next hour. Final hour free-for-all on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, news roundup and information overload hour. All right, so everybody that I have been talking to, all of my sources, everybody, it, and Rudy Giuliani said in the in the particular case involving the laptop uh, in, with Hunter Biden's uh, hard drive that only 5% has been released so far. Um, I've been briefed. By sources, what is expected to come out in this, if it's true, I've not been able to independently corroborate it. Uh, If it is true, uh, it would be devastating to all things Biden. That means Joe Biden also, as he's implicated in the initial emails that we have talked about. Um, I don't like to report things that I myself have not seen or heard or or been able to corroborate. Um, But... It seems devastating. Now it's a question of what's coming out, when, how big, how deep. I've been told next week is going to be a bombshell week. That's what I've been told. I just tell you the truth and pass on information. Uh, But I'm not getting ahead of my skis. I'm waiting for facts, information uh, to come out. For whatever reason, people release things on, on their own schedule. I have nothing to do with any of that. Uh, separate and apart from this, remember, this all got started with our friend Peter Schweitzer. We did the first interview both on radio and TV with Peter, came out with his book, Secret Empires. And that's when we first learned about Burisma and quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. That's when we first learned about uh, the one billion dollar deal with the Bank of China only 10 days after the trip that Hunter took with his father aboard Air Force Two and went to Asia, including China, and he met with business representatives there. Uh, There's no experience, as he mentioned in the Good Morning America interview, Hunter, that as it relates to oil, gas, energy, or Ukraine, uh, we found no experience whatsoever as it relates to China or private equity in any way. It became a $1.5 billion deal in the end. Now, Ron Johnson and... Also, Senator Grassley have come out with their report, uh, and it chronicles $100,000 shopping spree with a Chinese national for, the, for Hunter Biden and his family, uh, $3.5 million wire transfer as it relates to the former first lady of Moscow, the, the wife of Moscow's mayor. Uh, it has dealings with Russian nationals, Chinese nationals, Kazakhstan nationals, Ukrainian nationals, uh, Kazakh oligarchs, Ukrainian oligarchs, Russian oligarchs. Well, Peter Schweitzer has just done another investigative report in, in his. It has separate and apart, as I understand it. I'll let him clarify this. Emails from Hunter Biden's business partner laying out in detail how Hunter and his colleagues use their access to the Obama-Biden administration to arrange private meetings for potential foreign clients and investors at the highest level in the White House. This goes way beyond quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter, way beyond Ukraine, way beyond 
uh, the original China Bank of China deal. And Peter Schweitzer uh, joins us. Uh, but first, let me play this montage of Joe Biden and all the times. Remember, Joe Biden said the president's travel ban was was xenophobic and hysterical and fear mongering for almost two months. Was he trying to protect business dealings for Hunter? Because this does bring up, you know, how compromised is Joe Biden? Uh, here's Biden praising China all these years. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the, 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 the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east. I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, not they're competition for us. A more prosperous China will mean more demand for American-made goods and services, and more jobs back home in the United States of America. So our desire for your prosperity is not born out of some nobility. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. Uh, when I've, I've spent a lot of time with President Xi, even he acknowledges that uh, the, the growth and progress in China has been a direct relationship of uh, the stability that has been in, uh, encouraged by a U.S. presence. We're not trying to contain China. We're not trying to slow down Chinese growth. The growth of China is overwhelmingly in our interest. We've recognized that the United States-China relations generate global economic benefit, not just to both our countries, but global benefit. Last year, our trade with China supported over 500,000 jobs here in the United States. There was a debate here in the United States, and quite frankly, throughout most of the West, as whether a rising China was in the interest of the United States and the wider world. As a young member of the Foreign Relations Committee, I wrote and I said, and I believe then what I believe now, that a rising China is a positive, positive development, not only for China, but for America and the world writ large. I guess I want to ask you, do you think that this is, is going to, in fact, be a major issue? And are you vulnerable on this issue at all because of your son's business dealings in, in China? No, I don't believe so at all. My son's business dealings were not anything with everybody that he's talking about, not even remotely, number one. Nothing to do with me. All right, so we've been hearing a lot about this hard drive uh, that is in the possession of Rudy Giuliani's attorney. We do have one update on that. Uh, Giuliani this morning on Fox & Friends uh, revealed that when Hunter Biden's lawyer found out that the New York Post was working on the laptop story, he actually called the computer store and demanded that they return his client's laptop. Uh, Giuliani said that Hunter's big mouth lawyer made a big mistake before this was even out. The computer repair shop uh, was called about the laptop. And the first thing that the lawyer does is call the merchant and says, can I have my client's hard drive back? So he basically admitted for his client as his client's agent that Hunter Biden's hard drive was there. Just an interesting side note. Now, separate and apart from all of this. Now, remember, Secret Empires by Peter Schweitzer came out in the year 2018. 
We did the first interviews. That's when you first heard about Burisma Gas and, and Holding Company and, and Hunter Biden's dealings there. Then we heard about the deal with China and, and other people. Now, so there were three business partners, Hunter Biden, a guy by the name of Devin Archer, whose name you probably have heard and remembered, and another guy by the name of Bevan Cooney. And by the way, Cooney is now currently serving a prison sentence. He was part of the business dealings with Hunter and Devin. Devin Archer was also found guilty. Uh, that was overturned for a short piece, but now he's awaiting sentencing, as I understand it, in his particular case. Now, separate and apart from what Rudy Giuliani has, well, this business partner of Hunter and Devin Archer reached out to Peter Schweitzer after becoming familiar, familiar with uh, Secret Empires in 2018. And he explains that he's the fall guy for this fraud scheme that Archer and Hunter Biden have avoided responsibility. And now you have these emails that, based on what I'm reading in your new report that just came out, uh, that there is a pipeline from Hunter Biden creating to his father. And I want you to explain it because you're going to do a better job than I could do. Peter Schweitzer. Well, Sean, Sean, it's great to be with you as always. Yes, uh, this is really the first time that a Hunter Biden business partner has come forward. Um, and what he has come forward, he approached me first in 2019 uh, before he went to prison, uh, laid out um, what he said uh, happened, which was he was essentially the fall guy that, that he admits that he you know, made some mistakes, but that Hunter Biden and um, Devin Archer uh, had not uh, received any, taken any responsibility for what had happened. Um, he reached out again, probably three or four weeks ago, um, and offered access. Uh, he gave written permission and gave me access to his Gmail account. He gave us the password, uh, and he gave us all the information we needed and said, go in there and explain what happened. So we have literally, with my colleague Seamus Bruner, we have literally been going through his email account with his permission over the last several weeks. There are 26,000 emails. Uh, some of them are obviously personal, uh, but many of them relate to the business activities. And what they lay out, Sean, is what we talked about, as you said in the first interview I gave on Secret Empires more than two years ago. This lays out that the business partners in Hunter Biden saw that Hunter Biden was, quote, the pipeline to the administration uh, for deals that they wanted done. And we are going to be laying these out, Seamus and I, over the course of the next several days. Um, uh, the first one today deals with a, a visit to the White House by a delegation of Chinese Communist Party officials and investors, uh, some of whom they ended up doing business deals with later. Um, and the details are quite interesting because they managed to arrange a meeting with this delegation with Vice President Joe Biden that does not appear on any of the official calendars. And as we continue, Peter Schweitzer, author of Secret Empires, and Seamus Bruner are with us. So let's go into this, because this is there was the one email that actually really kind of blew this this other hard drive issue wide open, which was a reference that, in fact, Joe Biden, who's been on the record numerous times saying he knew nothing about the business dealing of his son, Hunter, 
in fact, was fully aware of the business dealings of Hunter and a meeting had taken place with the third highest ranking official at Burisma. So which contradicted and would show that Joe Biden was lying, saying he didn't know anything, which then raises the stakes as it relates to you're not getting a billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero experienced son being paid millions. So that kind of now raises that whole issue again. Then it brings up the whole issue of China again. So you're you're saying that there was what an orchestrated effort among the business partnership of these three to to sell access to the White House for lucrative business dealings? Absolutely. Uh, and to your point, um, you know, the Bidens have consistently lied. That statement that Joe Biden makes so definitively that I have never, you know, had a conversation with a family member about any of their business dealings um, has been demonstrated over and over again to be false. Hunter Biden himself has admitted that he talked to his dad about Burisma. You have emails that are coming out that demonstrate the connection. You had, you know, a Chinese executive admitting to the New Yorker that on that famous trip when they went to uh, Beijing on Air Force Two, that Hunter Biden introduced uh, these Chinese business executives to his father. Uh, what these new emails from Cooney lay out um, is a pattern of using the access um, and and using that access to secure deals overseas. In uh, many of the countries that you mentioned earlier, China, Ukraine, Russia, Kazakhstan, um, are all mentioned in these emails. Uh, the report that's coming out today, uh, it'll be published on Breitbart. By the way, we always, if we're quoting from emails, we release those emails, uh, so you'll be able to read them yourself essentially occurs in 2011 uh, when a, a, a Chinese government-linked uh, group called the China uh, Entrepreneurs Club, um, which is really regarded as kind of a second foreign ministry of the Chinese government, wants high-level meetings set up in the White House in November of 2011. Um, and as the emails make clear, um, they get those meetings, and Hunter Biden helps them secure those meetings. Um, and they talk about the fact that by securing these meetings, um, they are going to be um, landing, quote, potentially outstanding new clients, is one of the quotes that they use uh, in the email. And what ends up happening, Sean, is in November 14, 2011, about 30 Chinese uh, officials, these include government officials, these include Chinese Communist Party officials and some businessmen, visit the White House. This uh, is November 5, 2011? November 14, 2011, yeah. Okay. And, and, Sean, they, they, they go in and they have all of these meetings, um, and there's a sort of official calendar that lays out who they meet with. Joe Biden is not on that calendar. But what's curious, Sean, is we then went and found one of the members of that Chinese delegation. She's, in fact, the general secretary of this club, this Chinese government-affiliated club. Her name is Maggie Cheng, and she describes that during that visit, they had a private apparently secret meeting with Joe Biden in the White House. Stay so, right there. Uh, uh, hang on. We're going to bring you right back into that White House meeting where apparently these 30 visitors from China had this meeting with Joe Biden on the other side. Peter Schweitzer with us. Uh, also, his partner in this is Seamus Bruner, also an author in his own right of Compromised, How Money and Politics Drive FBI Corruption, and both work for the Government Accountability Institute. Uh, we'll get a quick break. On the other side, also Martha McSally, some huge news breaking out of the Senate race in Arizona we'll get to, and much more 
Final half hour of the Sean Hannity Show. 18 days, and you are the ultimate jury. Hannity, tonight we got an amazing show. 9 Eastern, Fox News. Please set your DVR, and we'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Uh, we got some breaking news out of Arizona. We'll get to it in just a, a couple of minutes here. Uh, we'll continue with Peter Schweitzer and Seamus Bruner in just a second. But first, how many times, as Joe said, have no knowledge of any business dealings with zero experience Hunter? Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. And everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there. Ask the right question. Well, I, I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Why was it appropriate when you were the vice president for him to have foreign investments? Well, the fact is I was unaware of his investments until those occurred, and I've never discussed what my son's business with him because I didn't want any conflict. No one has suggested that my son did anything wrong. There's nobody has indicated there's a single solitary thing that he did that was inappropriate, wrong, or any relationship to other than the appearance. It looked bad because he was there. There is a photo of you uh, golfing with your son Hunter and his business partner, Devin Archer. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business? Yes, I stand by that statement. It's not a conflict of interest. There's been no indication of any conflict of interest from Ukraine or anywhere else, period. And what I'm not going to let you all do is take the focus off the problem. No one, no one has asserted my son did a single thing wrong. No one has asserted that I have done anything wrong except a lying president. And are you vulnerable on this issue at all because of your son's business dealings in, in China? No, I don't believe so at all. My son's business dealings were not anything with everybody that he's talking about, not even remotely, number one. All right, we continue. Peter Schweitzer, author, Secret Empires. Uh, Seamus Bruner with us. Compromised how money and politics drive FBI corruption. Uh, Two topics that we have uh, followed in depth here on this program. Uh, We're going with their breaking news stories. Uh, Again, one of the partners of uh, Hunter Biden, uh, along with Devin Archer, is a guy by the name of Bevan Cooney, who is now serving time in jail. Devin Archer waiting to be sentenced to go to jail. I don't know how Hunter himself uh, avoided all of this. Uh, When we left off, Peter, and then I'll let you finish, and then we'll get Seamus' take on this. You talked about 30 uh, people from China, uh, Chinese nationals, doing business deals that were having about to meet with the vice president, even though it wasn't recorded in the White House. Uh, Who is there and who are these people? Yeah, great question, Sean. Well, this is a a group of Chinese that got the VIP treatment at the White House. Uh, The emails reveal that before Hunter got involved, uh, they were having a hard time getting a White House meeting. Um, so clearly the access was uh, demonstrated there by Hunter Biden. But they had visits with uh, Jeff Zients, who is the deputy director of the uh, Office of Management and Budget. He was in charge of restructuring uh, and consolidating our, our export-import agencies, which would have been an interest to the Chinese. They had a meeting with the uh, newly installed uh, Commerce Secretary. Um, that's interesting because he was actually being sworn in by Joe Biden that same day. Um, 
Um, so this was very high-level access. And then, of course, you had the meeting with Joe Biden himself, according to members of the delegation, even though that did not show up on the official itinerary. Uh, the people that we're talking about with the China Entrepreneurs Club um, is a group of very wealthy connected political figures in China. They control some 4% of the entire gross national product uh, of, the, of the country of China. And what's interesting, Sean, is that some of the people on that delegation, their family members end up doing deals with BHR. Remember, BHR is the private equity firm that the Chinese government fund um, and that Hunter Biden and Devin Archer get put on the board of directors on in 2013. So within about two years of this White House delegation of all these Chinese officials going in there, Hunter Biden is, is involved with this new private equity firm that the Chinese government has set up. They start doing deals with family members of individuals that were part of this delegation back in 2011. And it shows how this loop exists, this elite group exists, and how these deals are done on the inside, and how the political axis of Hunter Biden using his dad to meet with foreign business leaders, it effectively enhanced his business opportunities in China. And and Seamus, remember in the GMA interview, I never got a penny out of China, but he does have equity, doesn't he? Right, right. So I just want to... And by the way, did he forget about the shopping spree? Right. I mean, the the emails that have have come out, both from the New York Post and especially these ones, which we know are 100% authentic, completely separate from the Post, from a friend, they reveal that Joe Biden has lied all along about these relationships that his son Hunter had. He absolutely knew about them. As Peter mentioned, the, uh, the direct pipeline to the administration, it's even worse than that. The business partners of Hunter Biden refer to that as their other currency. So they're talking about, we're going to pitch this to investors. Should we mention our, quote, other currency, which is the direct pipeline to the administration? So they viewed Hunter Biden's relationships as currency. They pitched it to investors. They brought in billions, as Peter mentioned about this delegation. Four percent of China's GDP is a massive, massive number. These are not just billionaires. They're tens and tens of billionaires. And it's kind of alarming how there was no vetting on the Devin Archer, Hunter Biden end of who these Chinese visitors were. And they arranged the meeting within a matter of days. So, I mean, you and I couldn't get a well, I couldn't get a White House meeting in a matter of days. But Hunter Biden and Devin Archer's in spite of in spite of published reports, neither could I. But go ahead. Good grief. Let me let me ask you this vote, this last question. We're going to break this down in more detail on Hannity tonight. Um, If Bevin Cooney goes to jail, Devin Archer is waiting to be sentenced to go to jail. And Hunter Biden, he's the partner with both of them. Correct, Peter? Yes, that's correct. How did he avoid jail when they both got convictions? Well, I think that's uh, that's one of the points that Bevin Cooney would make. And having looked through the transcripts of that trial uh, that took place in in, in 2016, uh, Hunter Biden's name, uh, you know, is populated throughout the trial transcripts. I mean, obviously, I'm not a a lawyer per se, but the notion that Hunter Biden had no involvement or no knowledge of this uh, bond scheme flies in the face of what the record was and the fact that Hunter Biden, uh, you know, when when 
and some of the uh, people that invested in this uh, scheme uh, actually met with Hunter Biden. The fact that Hunter Biden's name was attached to it, they testified that that was one of the reasons they thought this was going to be a legitimate thing to get involved with. That's really the question, and it goes to the heart of what we've talked about before, Sean, which is the selective nature of criminal justice in America today. If you're politically connected and you're powerful enough, you get away with certain things that other people aren't allowed to get away with. We'll have a lot more on bo- on all of this tonight. Blockbuster story. Eventually, the, the media, I guess, is going to try and ignore it. Good luck. Uh, Peter Schweitzer, Seamus Bruner, thank you both. We'll, uh, we'll deal with more of this, more of the details uh, coming up at 9 Eastern. But it appears uh, 26,000 emails separate and apart from the New York Post story is pretty devastating. Thank you both for being with us and sharing the information. I hope voters are paying attention. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. There have been now, as we've been pointing out, huge... Look, the, the, the Senate is so important for the Republicans to hold on to because now you have Chuck Schumer out there saying everything's on the table. Stacking the courts, packing the courts, the Supreme Court, that's on the table. Getting rid of the, rid of the legislative filibuster, that's on the table. D.C. statehood, other state on the table. Amnesty promised by Joe and the Democrats and Kamala on the table. And uh, anyway, all these races from Joni Ernst uh, to Mitch McConnell to Lindsey Graham to Susan Collins to uh, uh, Senator Perdue to Tillis in North Carolina to Martha McSally in Arizona, they all matter. Um, A couple of emerging controversies out in Arizona where we now find that Mark Kelly, who's running against incumbent Martha McSally, has a campaign spokesperson. It has now been revealed that called the police worthless effing pigs. This on the heels of another controversy with... Uh, Mark Kelly and the issue of China. Martha McSally is the Senate candidate out in Arizona. Very important seat for the Republicans to hold is on our newsmaker line. Uh, Welcome back to the program, uh, Senator. How are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? Is the guy still working for him? It's unbelievable. He is. After he, he, he puts this out on social media a week before Mark Kelly hired him, and he still works for him right now. Uh, Mark Kelly has shown he's surrounding himself with people who spew disgusting attacks like this on law enforcement. And, of course, the liberal media is trying to cover for him. He's never apologized. And the staff are still on the team. It's unbelievable. This disgusting rhetoric is unacceptable. Uh, the violence that it's leading to with the, you know, against the brave men and women who keep us safe. We've had attacks on officers right here in Phoenix. I've got the endorsement of the Arizona Police Association. I back the blue. And the media is covering for him. While he says these despicable things, it's just unbelievable and it's disqualifying. Is Kelly part of this defund the police effort? And, you know, because he has been very critical of the criminal justice system, uh, saying it's, you know, systemic racism, et cetera, et cetera. Where is he? Yeah, he's claiming he's not a Democrat right now because he's trying to fool Arizona voters to get elected. But the truth is that he has led one of the most sophisticated, radical political organizations of modern history, focused on gun control, but by raising $57 million to take our Second Amendment rights away and spending them around the country, dark money and direct endorsements. He's endorsed and supported people like Ilhan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, and those on the radical left who are leading the efforts to defund the police and vilify our police officers. So 
People shouldn't be fooled. He's a radical political operative. He's got his arm around Ilhan Omar in Minneapolis. Go go to counterfeitkelly.com to see the pictures. Uh, and he is associated and will enable this radical agenda to be pushed through. He'll be Chuck Schumer's 51st vote, which is why we need to stop him. Let's talk about this controversy with him in China. What has your campaign be, been able to discover? Well, Mark Kelly has multiple financial business relationships with Chinese companies that are affiliated with the Chinese government. Tencent is one of them. I know you're familiar with Sean, seen as a national security threat. Mark Kelly went over to China to recruit Tencent to invest in a company that he co-founded, but it didn't start there. And when he was still in the Navy, active duty in 2003 and 2004 and 2005, he went over on an all-expense-paid junket funded by the Chinese Communist government, the propaganda arm, trying to bring our elite from our government into their orbit. And many have fallen for it, to include Mark Kelly. He said it's the most meaningful thing he did in his life. And then in 2006, he went to space. And I've got a bunch of astronauts who are supporting me. When they went to space, they said they brought an American flag, a picture of their family, small things that they can bring that are meaningful. Mark Kelly brought the Chinese Communist banner from this junket forum that he went to as this meaningful thing to bring to space. So these relationships he he has have brought him to a place where he became a multimillionaire very quickly, get rich quick, entangled with China. It's also disqualifying. I'm standing up to China with President Trump to hold them accountable for unleashing the virus and all of their stealing our technology and our jobs and our research. And my opponent has got multiple business ventures with him. This is going to be impactful, and that's why we need people to support us. Get on board, McSallyForSenate.com, if you want to help. We're down to the wire here, and we've got to make sure we hold this seat to hold the Senate majority. It is a critical Senate seat, and the polls out there have been very, very tight. Uh, Anyway, uh, we're wishing you the best in this race, and I hope people are paying attention to what's going on there. The fact that he has not fired this guy is unbelievable to me. Uh, At Chicago Police, you worthless effing pigs. That's the chief spokesperson for your opponent. Unbelievable. Uh, All right, Martha McSally. All right, all the best. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. That's going to wrap things up for today. All right, Hannity tonight, set your DVR, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Oh, you're going to meet the woman at the Trump Town Hall last night that nodded an agreement from Miami. Peter Schweitzer and his investigative report. Trey Gowdy, uh, Leo Terrell, and Jason Chaffetz. And Martha McSally, 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity on Fox, 15 days on Monday. Two weeks counting down to the tipping point election in our lifetime. We'll see you tonight. Be back here Monday. Have a great weekend, and I hope you rest up. We're going to need your energy.